Today's guest on the Cashflow Show is the founder and CEO of one of the most innovative wine brands entering the UK and a welcome stranger to our shores from sunny Portugal, to be exact. In the UK, wine is the drink of choice for 32.3% of the population, and our guest's aim is to take the snobbishness out of wine. Looking at today's weather in the UK, I had better interview her quickly, or she may hop on a plane right back to sunnier climes. <laughs> In the meantime, if you want to enter the wonderful world of wine and pair yourself with your very own wine expert, then join us after the intro. Hello and welcome. I'm Clayton M. Coke, and I'm also the host for The Cashflow Show, the radio show that's disguised in the shape of a podcast, but with so much more. Every week we'll be interviewing someone inspiring from the business world and finding out how they started in business, what their trials and tribulations were, and how they intend to grow their business in the future. We will also be finding out about what they do in their spare time, as well as asking them to pick a book, a film, and a favourite single or album, and to share their reasons for doing so. So why not join us at the Cashflow Show? It's not just a radio show, it's a whole new way of doing business. Hello and welcome to the Cashflow Show. I am Clayton M. Coke, founder and managing director of PRMS, and your host today, along with my special guest, Marta Maya, founder and CEO of Nosy Wine Club. Welcome to London, Marta. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I, I know the reason why I laugh and, um, and the audience will probably be thinking, why is he laughing so early on? Um, <laughs> but um, I know the the journey that you've taken to get yeah, here. Yeah, it was a nightmare. It was two hours delayed. I was almost giving up, but <laughs> I love the UK, so there's no way that I would go back. Okay, that's brilliant. So you've just flown in from Portugal for some traditional British weather. Sorry that there was no sunshine to greet you, but we'll try to make you feel as welcome as possible. I was expecting it no worries <laughs> well you're here on the cash flow show we always start with finding out a little bit about you tell us who marta maya is and what you do okay so i'm a 24 year girl year old girl from portugal so a pretty regular one um i studied journalism in in the university but then i found out that this was not the regular path and i truly wanted to be uh involved in the business world but i Never knew what I was going to do. And nosy just happened out of the blue, as I think everything does. Um, so I started, I, I took my master's degree in marketing in a way to uh, develop to, to the world that I'm really interested in, the business world. And then I found a company called Sword Health, which is a startup in Portugal. Uh, nothing to do with wine, really, just physical therapy. Um, and that's when I discovered the world of entrepreneurship, of startups, of following your dreams. Um, and then Nosy happened just because I was super interested in learning about wines. Uh, my father is a wine guy. He loves wine. Um, and, he is in, and his friends were always looking for new wines to taste and having dinners. But they were always like struggling, going to the supermarket shelves, spending hours doing that. Uh, and then I was like, okay, there must be a better way. We okay. shouldn't spend that, that time. And that's how Nosy was born. Okay, so your business is wine. Mm -hmm. So what does Nosy do that's actually different from anybody else? What's your unique selling point? What's, what's okay. that makes you different? We have a pretty different thing than other wine clubs are doing and other wine brands. Uh, we believe that people have to taste the best wines, but no one knows 
what a best wine is or which one they should be tasting. Correct. Uh, and that is why we, we are wondering and we were like, okay, there are wine experts out there. There are people that made their careers uh, tasting wines and telling people the best ones. But the regular person doesn't have access to that info. And we're like, okay, maybe if we ask wine experts to choose the wines for the wine club, people would know that they have quality and they would be super interested in going to the discovery with them. So every month at Nosy, we have a different wine expert. He makes the selection. Uh, we go to the producers. Uh, we fetch the wines and then people get them at home. So pretty much you always know that it's top quality wines. So what is your role in the business? Okay, so Nosy for now is a two-women company. So if you're uh, thinking about a super big company, it's not. And I handle all the logistical side of the business. So I, I talk to the experts, I talk about the selection, I go to the producers, suppliers, supply chain, all that kind of boring stuff. And then Mariana, which is my um, girl, uh, she just does marketing and social media and all that fun stuff and the cool things that you see online is from hers. Okay, excellent. excellent. So this isn't your first business, is it? Or is it? Is it, is it my first business? Yes. I don't have that traditional lemon stand uh, <laughs> story behind me. I was not uh, always going door to door selling stuff. I was always interested in companies. My my parents have a company themselves, so I think that's pretty much where my background comes from. Uh, and then swore I was just involved in the business. So I was just learning. I learned everything that I know from the CEO, which is my mentor, if I can call him that. Yes, of course. Um, and that, that was when I thought, okay, probably I have uh, what it takes to, to do nosy, and I just jumped on it. So if I'm at a party now, and I'm <laughs> being very cool, and I'm talking to somebody about nosy, how would I describe how it works? Um, is, is there a format? Because I know how it works. But at the end of the day, how would you describe somebody here is just saying, oh, it's this nosy wine club, you know? Is that, that means that you're going to please people's homes and look at their wines or just by being nosy, as it were? Or is it, how does it work? How does it operate? Because it's a club and it's wine. Yeah. How does that? So to join our family, uh, you just go to our website and every month we have a new, a different box. So it's a new expert selecting the wines. So, for example, last month we had uh, no um, Slovenian wines because it was a Slovenian expert from a Netflix show. Then this month it will be from Spain and then next month I think it will be the UK. So it's pretty much changes according to the expert. You go there, you subscribe, you can be every month, every two or every three. Uh, and then it gets delivered th straight to your door together with the magazine that will walk you through the whole experience. So it's super simple. You don't have to move a finger. It's just going through a website, subscribing, and you'll get the whole experience through your door. So what made you choose a subscription model in terms of business? Oh, so the subscription economy is something that really interested me from the beginning. Um, I, th I think it's super convenient to get the experience that you want to have uh, delivered right at your home and it's super uh, it's just like getting a present every month that you that you send to yourself so I was doing this uh, for myself in other areas not in wines um, and before I created Nosy I started uh, researching what was out there because my intent was not to create a wine club was to find a wine club that my father could use uh, but I found nothing that I thought was interesting enough and that is why I think it made super sense to 
just jump into the whole experience and the the subscription. It's much different than just going and buying a wine and just uh, every month, every every time that you want to drink, you go to the supermarket, you spend hours doing that. And I think this is much more convenient, more fun. I think. It's interesting because when I was much younger, um, <laughs> okay, I'm not that old, but <laughs> you're not, you're not, you're super young. <laughs> Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. But when I was much younger, I used to belong to a book club really? and, and, you know, book clubs were then all arranged and this always is sometime, but it was really good. As you said, that when those books came through the door. And you, you I had cons- it. Oh my yeah, God, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. You know, you'd ordered the book and you'd come, then it would be a ritual of opening up and reading them. And those, some of those books I still have today. So I can understand why people love the idea of getting a new experience every single time. Yeah, I think our our members really enjoy that. They have, they never know what's coming. So we just announced the expert 15 days before the box is meant to arrive. So, you know, people start, the, the experience starts there. People start researching the expert, knowing the expertise, and then thinking about which wines might come through their door. And then they don't know the wines. They just come in our beautiful packaging, if I may say myself. Um, and you unwrap the, the bottles and then you have the magazine and you read about it. And I think the whole experience ties together. Um, and then people talk about this through their friends and like, look at this amazing wine from uh, Africa that I just got through a wine club. And it's, so, it's a, an experience that people just talk to each other. And that's how we've grown so far. But do you feel that what you're doing is trying to then broker that relationship with the people that make wine, the people that are experts in wine and people that have an interest in wine. Yeah, I think we are just this common link between the three. So um, experts have been super kind with us because we're a super small brand and we just go up to them and present the project and they get excited, which is something that makes me really happy just because they're like, oh, this is super cool. We've never seen something like that. And I think they want to be able to show their selection and for them it's a fun pro, a fun process and we I never bother them that much. That's why they like it. <laughs> um, and then small producers, which is the majority of the ones that we work with, they don't have this direct link to the final consumer. So for them to be able to just get the feedback from people and sometimes they don't have even the supply chain to, to send to, to the final consumer. Uh, so it's always great to know their small story because it's super family wineries and it's really interesting to know that how they end up doing what they, they end up doing. And then the, the customers, I still do all the customer support and I call people on the phone. The majority of them I know by name. Uh, now it's, I'm starting to lose a little uh, because it's getting bigger, thankfully. But the majority of them, I just talk to them and I get the feedback. And it's really a small community, which is always my goal, is to have this sort of uh, community created around wine and people knowing that we want to make them have a great experience and not just uh, take their money and just send the experience. It's something that I want to link together and people having this amazing experience. I think... I suppose to a certain extent, I I read somewhere about holidays that most people who are much younger now want the idea of having experiences as opposed to um, material things. And I think the end of the day, when people see the opportunity to experience, I suppose, different wines from different places, which they would probably never, ever embrace. It's nice that when you discover something that you are not necessarily yeah, looking for. That's exactly it. I think in my generation, 
we are really looking forward to know the story behind every product and how they end up uh, in our hands. And it's not like uh, we want to have just one wine from the supermarket shop. We want to know the story. And this has made a, a great impact in the wine world because uh, from a, a few years ago, you will watch this in the wine world, which uh, every wine was kind of made with the same grapes because it was the popular grapes. And uh, now we're watching a tendency where people are going back to the roots. So it's being uh, revived, the ones that were killed because no one was planting them. Yeah. And this comes from the fact that people really want to they are the to know the, the wines that are from that region. They want to know the story of that place. Uh, and I think nosy kind of goes into that. So you're getting wines that you would never buy yourself. You're getting to know people that you never knew yourself. And this is pretty much what we want to make, is to make it super organic and bring that experience to the people's homes. Interesting, because for me, I'm very good at drinking wine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can say that too about myself. But the fact is, the idea of starting a business based around wine, what's been your biggest challenges? Oh my God, I have, I have a is whole Is it getting drunk? Is, that the, is that your biggest we, You know challenge? that I drink even less wine now. I, I don't know, it's because I'm all surrounded by wine, probably it's decreased my amount uh, of drinking, but... The challenges have been, we started in Portugal. Portugal was never our final market, even though um, it was super cool to grow there. Uh, but people are used to having super cheap wine. So our main goal was always to come to the UK, which is a super big wine market for us. So we have a main challenge there with, with supply chain because we get wines from all over. So last month it was like France and then another from the UK, another from South Africa. So the logistical side of the business and making it so that we're not um, losing money every month and we're not uh, taking from the experience. So that's a challenge, a challenge itself. And then the other one, the main one that I can say is we're, we're not from the wine world. So my father doesn't own a winery. My mom is not from the wine business. So I got zero contacts in this field. Um, and everyone was like, how are we going to get the experts? I didn't know the answer to that question. Um, and I'm still amazed of how people jumped on the project. I, I was just taking the phone and cold calling or cold emailing people, telling about Nosy uh, and seeing if they wanted to join. And I got a super positive response. Uh, so this was a main challenge that we were able to overcome, but I'm still amazed of how well people like Nosy. And it's what makes me go further and further. I think the whole point for people is in terms of embracing a brand, people want a relationship. Yeah. And That's true. the fact is you can tell when people care about their customers or their clients. And I always say that the mistake that a lot of businesses make, and especially as they grow, they don't necessarily jump on problems, they don't resolve issues, and they don't feel that the money that you're handing over to them, which is hard-earned money, yeah. is of value. It, you're just another person. And the people that manage to create the the symbiotic relationship by saying yes we are providing a service we are providing a product but we want to have a relationship with you yeah I, i'm going to take you back to your website mm -hmm. because i i went onto your website and no your website's very good that that's thank you not the issue <laughs> the issue for me is is that what you did and what i liked is the way that if people for whatever reason 
got fed up of wine and decided to start drinking gin. <laughs> <laughs> they, how easy it is they could cancel that yeah. relationship. But I find, for example, if you want to cancel something on Amazon. It's a nightmare. It, it, it's you a can't. complete nightmare. Complete and utter nightmare. And that's that kind of transparency is what draws people to you as a brand. Yes. I think when you're borning as a new brand, you have to establish this relationship, which is something that you should never lose, even if you become a bigger brand like Amazon. Of course. But this all comes from the knowledge that people spend a hard time earning the money that they're giving to you. And they're expecting a certain level of service. And you should be there along the way to make sure that people are enjoying the service And that is pretty much why we're sitting in a room and we're like, if people want to cancel, they can cancel because we know the quality of the service we provide. We know what we're doing. So if they don't like it, it's okay. So we're just canceling it and we, are, we run our business knowing that if we make everything work the way it should work, people won't cancel. Um, and so just, they just can message us and say, I'm, my wife is getting pregnant, which sometimes happens and we're super happy about that. <laughs> so my wife is getting pregnant. I cannot drink so, as much wine because she'll be jealous. So <laughs> I'm canceling the subscription. That's okay. Um, and yeah, so it's it's pretty much simple for us to know. And if, if you don't like the wine, so usually people know that the wines are quality wines because the expert vouched for them. So you wouldn't put your reputation on the line to choose something that shouldn't be good. Uh, so they look at it like, I don't personally like it, but it must be good. So they give us that benefit of the doubt. So we're going to go slightly back mm -hmm. and we're going to look at the idea. You've decided in your head, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm a wine company and I'm going to do this subscription model. What did it take for you to put that idea into action? Did you just I, think about, or did you just go to lots of places <laughs> and drink wines? You know how I think when I was younger, I thought that everyone that started a company must have had this uh, super great idea and then spent all this time making sure that everything was right. I don't know if with other people it's like that, but for me, it just kind of happened. We had this idea and me and my, my co-founders, we were discussing the idea. We thought it was a great one and we were just like, okay, let's just make it happen and try to make it as good as we can. And if it makes sense, people will start joining us. If not, we'll just move on to another idea. I think it was when you see something that makes so much sense in your head, I was just talking to some people like my father, my father's friends, people that should be our customers. And they were like, yeah, I would totally join that. I, I, it makes total sense for me. So we're like, okay, let's just try to, to do it. Probably it's because I'm young and I'm not afraid of, of, of wasting the opportunity, but I was confident that it, this could work, I think. So you formed the company in Portugal. Yeah. So what's the business climate? What's the business outlook in, in Portugal? Is it easy to form a business in Portugal or is it something that it, you have to go through lots of hoops? How, how does it work? Bureaucratically, then? Portugal is not the best country to do anything whatsoever, but uh, Com companies are started to being, even from younger people, the entrepreneurial uh, climate is changing now, I think. There's a lot of people creating companies. There's less uh, fr frightened of losing money or of not being successful. So I think the climate is changing. It's not just like in the UK. 
it's much bigger, it's it's much more developed here. But in Portugal, it's kind of changing. Even with business capital or business angels, there are starting to be more and more people that are not afraid of investing. Uh, so I think it's coming becoming much better now. I mean, the entrepreneur experience here has changed dramatically. I mean, when I first started, you know, it was, you know, you people didn't even use the word entrepreneur. entrepreneur. No, they just used the word business owner. Oh, you were a manager or you were a director. You weren't an entrepreneur. I think most people here couldn't spell entrepreneur. <laughs> uh, never mind. It was just this funny word. But on the entrepreneurial system, I think we had programs here like The Apprentice yeah. and Dragon's Den. And that lured, um, that made entrepreneurial behavior sexy. Yeah, now now it's super sexy. Yeah, to yeah, be, yeah, yeah. To own a company. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas before, at the end of the day, it was just for old guys. Yeah, you know, and usually it was old guys. You know, very unattractive old guys. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that, that's the reality of it. That's what happened. So, the entrepreneur thing, as I said, was taken up and be embraced by younger people, who then basically said, "I've got an idea. I want to make vegan sausage rolls, <laughs> and you know, I'm going to do it." And people, think, do you really yeah. think you can sell it? And there's a queue down the road, and think, "Yeah, he's selling vegan sausage rolls." And as a consequence of that, and I think maybe, as you said, you know, Portugal hasn't been like that in the beginning. I think the the uptake in access to funds and the ability to have an idea and run with it has mean and I always say this very very much on this podcast I always say that you can wake up tomorrow morning and still be in your pajamas and you can form a company yeah. and have social media and everything else by lunchtime yeah and you, and you can completely do it all at home like all still, at home you can run a company yes. yeah, from yeah, your yeah. home yeah. and I think it comes from in Portugal, it comes from seeing other countries and the, the US dream. It, you don't have to leave Portugal to see that. And we're super influenced by that. Uh, I think before in my parents' generation, in my grandmother's generation, people were starting businesses that were their business, like a florist or a hairdresser, or my parents have a medical clinic. Uh, but now people look to themselves and, and think, I can, I have this idea and I think it can be successful and I, I can make a lot of money. I don't know if it's naive or not, but people are less, uh, risk, uh, more, less afraid of, of taking yeah, risks. Not, they're not less risk averse. Yeah. I think, but I think now people follow their passions. Yeah. They don't, it. I mean, I saw a lady outside of Waterloo Station and she was handing out stuff on behalf of uh, a deco, the recruitment company. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think it was with one of those jobs where basically you do it for the day and yeah. you hand out leaflets and then they pay you. And I got into a brief conversation with her and she said that, you know, that her real passion was art and, you know, music and stuff like that. But she'd got two degrees because she wanted to please her yeah. parents. <laughs> you know, But and, she'll be fed up of yeah. that. And that's why she's probably taking the job just to, so she Correct. can follow her passion. Correct. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it different so i mean the fact that you've decided that nosy is going to be a, a direction and a, a passion for you um the thing for me is is that with doing that what's been your scariest moment we have, I have had a, <laughs> we've had a few i think everyone has a few so our main doubt was okay we launched this does anybody want a wine club like what we're doing uh, and then you have all the the um, fear of no one is doing this. 
there must be a reason because in, in, in Europe, there is not a global wine club. So you have like Virgin Wines, which serves the UK or the Wine Society, which is in the UK as well. And then you have something in France, something in Germany, but there's no one with this crazy dream of doing this all over Europe. So in the back of your head, you're like, probably it's because it's challenging. <laughs> uh, so the I have a few moments where I was afraid uh, people will like it or people won't like it or am I able to do it? You have the imposter syndrome. Uh, like, am I good enough to do this? Do I have the knowledge that it takes? Um, and then I kind of wake up thinking about this every day, but you just, I think when you enter something, you have to try to make the best of it. And then I ha now I have the client's expectations. I don't want to let them down. So it makes me keep on trying to, to do the, the right thing. It's all because people are giving me their money and they're expecting an experience from it. And that's pretty much it, what keeps me going. Me and I think I can speak for Marianne as well. It's the community. We want to make them have the best experience and we don't want to leave them like uh, with mediocre service or mediocre wine. So we are trying to figure out how this is done as along the way and I pretty much I think we have a, a grasp of it but the challenges come every day <laughs> every day <laughs> well on that note we're going to address some challenges and we're going to take a break at this point and we'll be right back after that break bad debtors can rob you of your time and money they can destroy your whole business within weeks archaic debt collection agencies and expensive legal fees will drain your cash flow but in one day, the PRMS Business Debt Prevention Course will teach you how to create late payment management procedures, invoice for immediate settlement, and eradicate existing debt. You'll study real-life examples to drag your business out of the red. Visit www.prmsltd.co.uk or call 0203-865-7138 to register now before bad debtors make your business another failed statistic. Hello and welcome back to The Cash Flow. Um, what can I say? We're having a, a great conversation <laughs> here with Amata Mayer of, um, uh, of Nosy Wine Club. And we are finding out so much about <laughs> wine. Not as if I didn't know a bit about wine before I started, but I just knew about drinking it, not about necessarily about... <laughs> which is uh, a good skill. Which is a good skill. I mean, it's, it served me well, I can tell you. It's also got me thrown out of a few places, but we won't want to talk about that. <laughs> but what we always do on here is to ask a question or two that's specifically directed towards yourself. And the thing that I would say is that you've been through um, uh, some very positive things with Nosy, some very challenging yeah. things with Nosy Wine Club. What is your advice to anyone thinking of starting in business? Okay, I think what I wanted someone to tell me when I was starting it, which was not that long ago, but um, I wanted someone to tell me like, no one has all of this figured out. So it's okay for you to have the uncertainty in your head that you're not going to make it or you don't know all of the things, all of the steps that will take you there. Uh, and that is okay, but you should just work hard at it. And if someone can do it, you can as well. So that's pretty much what I wanted to tell the people because it's not the people that were successful were not superhumans. They were just people that believed in themselves. They, educated themselves, they followed the knowledge, they talked to, to a lot of people, and then they just took the jump. And I think everyone can, in a certain way, do 
this. I'm not a special person and everyone with a right mindset can. I think your response is actually a very good one. I think there are lots of people who believe if you've got connections, I, I, I don't doubt that that can't help. But I do truly believe that if you are determined yeah. and you're focused and you learn from your mistakes. And you work hard. Yeah. You, you can achieve things. But the problem is, is that what you then have to understand is what is your level of achievement? Yeah. What do you think? Is it? Some people, their achievement is that they're sitting lots of money and they're dry, they've got a yacht and they've got a Bentley and so on and so forth. And some people, you know, I just want to be able to pay the bills when they yeah. fall and due. Yeah, people want to have this work balance, uh, family time. So it, it kind of looks different to everyone. Of course. And I think that's what's important. I think, I think what I would say to that is, is that a lot of people probably give up before they should do. Yeah, I, th I think that too. Um, I had times when I was like, okay, probably this is not for me. And I think everyone that owns a business or everyone that's trying to pursue a career, it happens. Uh, a lot more frequently than we want to admit. Uh, but I think success comes from striving to to make it work. And you have to go through some hard times to learn something. Because if you don't know how the low is, you'll never be successful, I think. And that's the problem. Because when people who are successful, when they are advertised to the public, they are advertised yeah. as being an overnight success. And it, overnight success is like, 10 years of, of trying and then it's an overnight success. Of course. It doesn't, I don't think it happens. Of course, there's people who find a great idea at a great timing and with lots of people looking for it and all this, the stars align to make them a success. And probably for someone that is just becoming successful now, there's someone else that took like only half the time that that person did. But I don't believe in over, overtime success, overnight success. And, and it's true, it makes, a lot, it makes a lot of sense in that respect because I think people are drawn to that. I think nowadays, especially because we have... Social media. Yeah, oh yes, I, I think that's really what drives people because, so because you can literally be an overnight success on social media. Yeah. But the fact is when you then check those people's figures and so on and so forth, you realise they're making no money. Yeah. And there's a lot of fake success as well. And of course. There's no transparency, I think. There should be a, a way for people to understand that when those guys are taking photos on their Bentleys or uh, in front of their houses that are super expensive, sometimes it, it's not real. It's just they don't they are not real influencers or they're not really business owners. They have hardships too. Of course, but remember the fact is is that People crave success or association with success. So, for example, I'm a man, I want to attract lots of women. <laughs> I, not, not to say that I do, as, oh God, blind me if I get myself into all kinds of trouble. Um, the reality of it is you can find yourself locked into a situation if you get yourself standing in front of a nice house which you are renting yeah you are standing in front of a plane which you are borrowing yeah you're standing in front of a Bentley which you are renting it's easy to rent a Bentley for a day yeah the problem is that picture then goes round and the people whole of think, the world look at that guy he's so he made so much money yeah. he's so successful and in the end nothing is true yeah and the guys that are making the money you won't see them on Instagram yeah because they're working. They're work Exactly. <laughs> this is the problem that people, you won't see those guys because they don't have a social life. They are working. Yeah. 
I think I think that is, is so true. Um, and people in younger generations, like my sister, which is even younger than I am, they have this culture where everyone wants to be an Instagram influencer now because they think in two minutes they'll be super rich. And I think the working hard culture should should just explain to those people like it doesn't happen that way. Yeah, but people want easy money. They want it. People, that, that, that's the reality. If I could have it, I would take it as of well. Of course, <laughs> but everybody knows that no, the whole point is to get to where you need to get to in life. Unfortunately, if you find yourself going along an easy route, you will find that that route will be either be cut short or will end in disaster. Yeah. Because it, it, it's, it's just the way that life is played out. But I think with a lot of people, what they do is, especially young kids, you know, they don't say, I want to be a train driver anymore. No. I want to, you know, I want to fly a plane. It's, I want to be a YouTuber. Yeah, the YouTuber, influencer. Because the f- it is an answer to that. It's an answer to, I want to make money faster and I want to be associated with wealth or uh, mansions and this. But events. the problem with most influencers is that actually they were lucky enough to have an expertise in something. So, for example, people who like to put in on makeup, you know, because they could sit in front of a camera and put makeup on very skillfully, there was nothing wrong with that. Because most of these, the real early influencers were people that did something very well that basically people, the, the advertising agencies could find somebody. Now, for example, I could just go on there and say, right, okay, I'm the face of nosy wines. Guess what? I'm going to show you. This is a fine wine. I got drunk on this one, but this one, it takes a little while to get drunk. And I'd get views. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't do much for my reputation, but I would get <laughs> views because people are locked into that personality and they will then be in a position to purchase things from that person. The, the, the people that are benefit the most from influences are basically the brands. Yeah, it is. It's completely. Because once upon a time, you had to pay a famous person in order to do that. But it's all you do is you pay somebody who's got 100,000 subscribers. and they. <laughs> yeah, they have this community around them yes. that, that is supposed to believe in what they're saying. Correct. Uh, and as much as you want to, and the big celebrities don't influence people the way YouTubers do because they don't have this small community around them. But... I don't know. It's becoming a saturated market, I think. It, it's peaked. Yeah. And that's what the problem is. But the thing is, when it's like in the housing market, they, when programs came on TV in the UK saying you could be a property developer, mm-hmm. the real money had already gone. Yeah. Because and the early one, the early adopters, they, they just... They made their money. But the problem is that the people afterwards, they were thinking, oh, I can be a property. And now we've got in the UK, all these properties that have been bought up by people. And nothing is happening now. No, because the problem is, is that property development, I know, and I, from my own personal experience, I know people who have lots of properties that they're trying to sell or they're trying to re-establish or re- redevelop. And they're having great difficulties because the demand isn't there anymore. It's just like Airbnb is in Portugal. Yeah. The everyone, everyone now has an Airbnb, <laughs> but there's too much, too many. Too many. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, we move away from the idea of people who've got great ideas but not going anywhere. We want to ask you about you as an individual. And the first question I would ask is, what is your favourite film and why? Okay, that's a hard one, as I think I have too many favourite <laughs> movies. But the one that I first think about is 12 Angry Men. 
I can say. Okay, that's an interesting I, one. I love that movie. I've just watched it once because I don't, I, I cannot watch the same movie no, over I, and no over. No, can I? I can't do I'm that I'm still either. trying to figure out how people do that because I never do it. Um, but I love that film. Just You'd think it's a boring one because it's all in the same room with 12 guys inside the room discussing uh, how they should uh, find uh, a man. So there's a man that kill, that supposedly kills his father and they have to, the jury in the US has to come to um, an agreement. All of them should agree that a person should be convicted. Otherwise they should not be um, sentenced to death. And all of them think the man did it, but one of them is like, probably there's reasonable doubt here. And so it's the whole movie, it's around one guy trying to express his opinions and uh, convincing everyone else that he's right. And then all the discussions and you almost feel, you know, you don't know names of any of the characters. You just know some traits of their lives and you try to understand why they're taking the decision they're taking based on where life took them. So it's super interesting to, to know how you can, one person can change the course of, of a life of an individual. That's a very good choice. Very thank well. you. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your favorite book? I don't, I read a lot. I've discovered this amazing thing of audiobooks and I recommend it to everyone, this and podcasts, because it makes every task meaningful. <laughs> uh, washing clothes uh, and changing the bed is not as boring as it was before. Uh, so books have really helped me through my career. Uh, I learned all the skills that I know, the majority of them, through them. So one that I can recommend is the first that Sword CEO recommended to me when I was starting out. It's called Shoe Dog and it's the story. You, you like it? You know Phil it? Phil Harris, is it? Yeah. yeah. So it's the, C, the C, founder and CEO of Nike and he's telling his story and how Nike become what it is now. Um, and you, when you're reading it, it kind of makes you feel that he's not a super special individual. He's just an ordinary guy who found this shoe brand that he wanted to sell. And he was working double jobs. Nike was not taking off and he had all these hardships. And he was basically just someone overcoming the challenges. And then through hard work and through perseverance and not giving up, Nike happened and it was not an overnight success as we were talking about is and people think oh this guy is super rich or it comes from money no he's just a normal guy everyone can do it it's, it's just luck and hard work I think that's so a very very good choice again because <laughs> the reason no the, these are things that I I see come up and I, I I know what they are I read and I read something about Nike that the swoosh logo they paid that lady $35. That's all she got for that. Um, she can be rich now. Well, the, the thing is, well, what happened was, was that they actually didn't like that logo. Yeah, they didn't like it. I thought it was no, no, all no, a unanimous no, decision. No, 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 no this is amazing. Yeah, they didn't like it. They didn't really like it at all. I mean, but they gave her a $35 and they said, okay, fair enough. This is the result. Uh, yeah, this is the result. And this is what we've paid you. I mean, they paid her $35, which even back then wasn't a lot of money. You know, yeah. there's even less money now. You know, it's probably about three but pounds. But they stuck though. to it. Why, why yeah, did they I don't know. I think that's just what she came up with. And it was supposed to be like, okay, we'll stick with this for, and then, for now. Yeah, and, and then, then when it comes a time, we'll change it to something that we would prefer. Exactly. And they never did. But it, it's one of those stories that ends well because they found her again 
and threw a party for her for, for a Nike anniversary and gave her some stock in Nike, which made her an instant millionaire. Um, for her because we, we, without that there would be nothing that woman she yeah. never dreamed when she was designing the logo <laughs> she was like oh here's another client I'm yeah. just not making that much money it's another day in my life and then it's Nike's logo and yeah. she became this overnight millionaire it's, yeah, it's, ama it's amazing yeah she's yeah she's an icon that's a design icon that's the I, if you've got a brand in terms of it you dream of something that is simplicity beyond mm -hmm. belief total simplicity And um, uh, that's, uh, so that's how that story ends. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. So you had a problem with um, what is your favorite album or single? <laughs> oh, I don't, I'm not as uh, knowledgeable in music as I think I am in the other two. Yeah. So I'm pretty proud of my answers of, for the first two questions. <laughs> But then when it comes to music, I listen to all kinds of good and bad. So... I don't know. I don't have a favorite album just because I don't listen to entire albums. I don't have that. Do you have a favorite artist? When I was little and I associate my growing up with this and that's why I will choose her. My parents used to listen to a lot of Tracy Chapman. Okay. A lot of it. So it's not my favorite. I don't listen to it every day and as other people do. They have these three or four people they love and then they keep on repeating the albums. I don't do it. But when I hear that, I associate it to me growing up. So it brings good memories. Okay, so I think good. it's a good answer for this. Well, that that works really well. That, that works really well. Thank you. <laughs> that's what, I, mean, I that's, was nervous about this one, I can say. Everybody's <laughs> nervous about that bit. And I think that because it really dictates what your taste is. I and think so too. Yeah. Everyone asks me, when they ask me about what's your favorite music, I'm always self-conscious because I know they will judge me based on that choice. Um, and I, I don't have a, a, a good answer to that question. I should work on that because I think it will come up again. Oh, well, I think it, to me, I, I judge people by the movies they like, the books they like, the music that they listen to. And I don't necessarily judge them. It gives me a window yeah, to, their, to, 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 to them as a person. But it doesn't necessarily mean I judge them on it. Sometimes I've been surprised on this show really? by the answers that have been. And I'm thinking, wow, you're into heavy metal? I, didn't, I, I can never have imagined that. Or, no, that happens with Mariana. We work in the two of us in a room. She She's, she's a petite girl, super cute, uh, super young. And then she's working and she puts her headphones on and it's playing like ACDC full blast. <laughs> and she's just answering emails, you know, just like working normal yeah. job, like answering emails or phone calls. And she's just listening to rock like super hard. And I'm like, Mariana, how the hell are you working with that? And she's super productive. You should listen to her alarm clock. It's, I, I would die. If I had to wake up every day with that, but I could never tell no, that but, she was into that. Yeah, but she's very productive because she when you, in terms of emails, like she's woo, woo, woo. no, she is. She types at full speed. Yeah, man, she's she's. I could tell you that for a Well, we should give a shout out to Maria because we haven't really discussed her. What's her role in things? I mean, I know she does a lot of the social media, and you know, so. hiring for Nosy was a process for me. I, I was not wanting to let go of that. Um, I was wanting to, I always wanted to find the right person for the job. And Mariana was that for me. So we knew was, we knew each other before. So we studied in the same, uh, university and she always had this go-get personality. She, she's super entrepreneurial and she's a hardworking girl. Like 
no one would be with me just putting the boxes together and or 10 or 3 a.m. in the morning and not complaining about it. And she has that. And so she was the perfect hire for us. And we each, uh, together, we complement each other so well because I don't like social media. I don't like taking photos. I don't like all that creative side. And she's a super creative person and she strives doing that. And she doesn't like going to producers and she doesn't like negotiating with them. She doesn't like that kind. And I love that. So it's we managed band. to balance each other. And I would never know it would work uh, so well. Excellent, excellent. So we're big shout out to yeah, Mariana. Yeah, it's a shout out to her. <laughs> I wish so, she was here with me. <laughs> <laughs> and what does success mean to you? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I don't want to to make it sound like a, a studied answer just because I didn't know about this question. But for every everyday success, it means when, when people send me an email saying like, we love this. It's super good. Uh, we are in love with the fact that we have amazing wines. Um, people telling me like, it's great that you're answering my email at 11 o'clock in, in the evening and it makes for us a, a good uh, company service. So people being satisfied with what we're doing and sharing their experiences, this is success for me every day. And then I think overall success uh, is being able to make nosy work. So keep growing the community and make it as a full-time thing for us and make it an, uh, an overnight success as we were discussing it, a uh, 10-year work with, for overnight <laughs> success. But for success for me is that, is, is seeing the little wins in our customers. And I think for Marianne as well, we're, we're super happy when people give good feedback because good feedback never comes. No one calls you in the morning, oh, I'm just calling to tell you everything is fine. So <laughs> usually we get all only the bad ones. Of course. And, and you tend to focus in that, even though our community pretty much likes the product. It's wine, so people are happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but success is, is the little wins, I think, knowing that people are lo loving it. Well, today's the 26th of September that we're recording this, and... Boris Johnson is the Prime Minister. He might not be the Prime Minister tomorrow. He might not be the Prime Minister next month. But we're due to crash out of the EU on the 31st of October, which is effectively a month's time. A couple of questions to you about that. So first one is, how are people in Europe viewing the UK in light of Brexit? I cannot say speak to all Europe. I find it strange that every time that I come to the UK and I ask people about the Brexit... I was bound to find someone that was like, yeah, we should leave the EU. It makes no sense. No one has told me that. And we feel, uh, as we were discussing beforehand, like the UK has been run by a guy that doesn't know what he's doing and he's not up for the job. And I think that is what people feel outside the UK. People feel that Brexit was not a conscious decision. People didn't have all the information and they just had to choose between uh, staying or leaving. And both of those choices were not filled with information. So people didn't know the full picture. Uh, and I think everyone still kind of hopes that it will not go through. I certainly hope that. And until the, the 23rd, I think. 31st uh, of October. 31st? Yeah, Halloween. <sighs> it's, it's kind of, uh, I think it's a signal there. <laughs> yeah, there it's is a, a signal. signal. Yeah. So, so the EU hopeful. and Brexit, how will it change your business model? Because effectively you've got, 
you need that European yeah. infrastructure. I need it. It makes it super simple for us. Uh, the the strange thing, it's not strange because no one knows what, what is happening. No no one can tell me, like, this is how it will affect your business. Because um, nobody knows. Nobody knows. <laughs> nobody knows. Like, shipping companies don't know. Uh, wine retailers don't know. Wine suppliers don't know. No one knows. So we're just choosing to continue to do what we know. And then when people have answers, we'll, we'll figure it out. Because the only thing that may impact is... Uh, Shipping the wine from the UK or to the UK, it will be more challenging. But I'm I'm sure they have to find a way because there's so many companies exporting to the UK uh, that will be losing business because of this, and the UK will will lose it too because they have to buy goods from somewhere. So we'll have to find a way together. I I hope. Uh, Boris Johnson comes up with a clever solution. I don't think so, but <laughs> so but we'll wait. We're, well, we're assuming that he hasn't got a plan, but what are your plans for the business? What are your plans for Nosy Wines? For the future. Yeah. Uh, so we started expanding for uh, the rest of Europe. So we started in Portugal and we're expanding to the rest of Europe. So our plan is to continue our growth. Okay. So it's mar- investing in marketing and starting to do uh, some... Um, investments in those areas uh as of right now our community is the main driver of our growth which is fantastic people get it at their jobs or get it at their friends dinners and they're just talking about nosy and so that's how we're growing but we want to make it more um of an effort to grow in 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 that aspect so it's becoming the biggest wine club in europe because we don't have that that competition right now we're trying to be the first ones to get there Excellent, excellent. So I know Mariana, I know you're listening to this. I know you're listening. She is. She's, <laughs> a, she's the soccer mom at home. She's just. <laughs> I'll, I'll put some heavy metal. <laughs> That'll give her more of an impetus to listen. Um, I know she normally does the, um, the social media and so on and so forth. But how can people find you? If people heard all this Nosy Wine Club talk and they think, mm, everyone wants to subscribe. I'm hearing it. Everyone at home is like, <laughs> I want this. Uh, so how do they find you? It's what, what, what super simple. Yeah. You just go to nosywineclub.com. And is that just one word? Yeah, you don't, it's Lower not case? dashes, not point. N o s y w i n e c u c l u b can't spell, dot uh, <laughs> com. Yeah. Uh, and then ju- just they get started and they just fill in their information, the dresses and everything, and we'll ship the wines to their home. No problem there. Okay. And if people want to follow you, you're on Twitter. Yeah. That's right. We are everywhere. We're on Twitter. We are on, on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn as well. But our, our social media has always been updated by our lovely Mariana. <laughs> so <laughs> you can find all, her there. And that's all Nosy Wine Club. Yeah. Well, as I said, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you I so much. really, really am honored that you've taken the time after your horrendous <laughs> journey of getting here, um, of flying in from Portugal to spend some time with us. Uh, Marta Maya, it has been a pleasure. And Thank you so much. We've enjoyed it immensely hearing about um, yourself, hearing about Mariana, hearing about Nosy Wine Club and your plans for the future. And, you know, hopefully at some point you come back and visit us and tell us more about your adventures. I am sure. I'm sure. Thank you so much for having me. You're most welcome. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to another episode of the Cashflow Show. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today and would like to hear more, then please subscribe via your chosen podcast provider and you will be notified when new episodes are released. 
If you wish to like, comment, leave a message or follow us on social media, please do so as we would love to hear from you. So until the next time, take care from everyone at the Cash Flow Show and goodbye.